After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven, with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbles and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These were seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, round the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Is anyone in control? Ever asked that question? Life seems so, frankly, dangerous. The virus that terrified us for so long, the war in Ukraine, ongoing wars in many other parts of the world, the massive earthquake in Turkey and Syria. Is anyone in control? Look back at the history of the last century. Two world wars, the invention of nuclear warfare, the use of nuclear bombs, and other weapons of mass destruction. Is anyone in control? And then there are the events of our lives. We get sick. Relationships break down. We have big problems in our jobs or in our families. Is anyone in control? Well, remember the context of the book of Revelation. It was probably written in the late 90s AD. The emperor Domitian, the Roman emperor, was insisting on being worshipped as Lord and God. Christians were under intense pressure because they simply wouldn't do this. John himself, the writer of Revelation, is exiled to Patmos. And there are no phones. There's no Zoom. John really is alone in the world, exiled to prison on the island of Patmos. 
he wouldn't have been human if he hadn't asked himself, is anyone in control? Today we come to the foundational vision in this book of visions, the book of Revelation. After this, verse 1, after the completion of John's witnessing the Lord Jesus speaking seven letters to seven churches. After this, John sees a door standing open in heaven. This is like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Here is a door from our world into the kingdom of heaven, just like that door through the wardrobe into Narnia. And John hears a voice, a powerful voice, like a trumpet. It's the same voice he first hears in chapter 1, verse 10. And the voice says, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once, verse 2, I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Is anyone in control? Yes, there is a throne in heaven and someone is sitting on it. God is on the throne. God is directing the events of history. God is on the throne. God is in control. If that's the case, why do so many things go wrong? Well, essentially, the Bible teaches God made a perfect world. People spoiled it with their sin. And therefore, God cursed the world. And now there are wars and sickness and all kinds of suffering. But the world is not out of control. God is restraining evil and suffering and directing history to the point when Jesus will return and usher in the new creation when there'll be no more suffering. Two things to say this evening. Be encouraged and be a worshipper. Firstly then, be encouraged. It's tremendously encouraging to know that God is on the throne. This truth greatly helped Joseph after he was sold as a slave to Egypt and imprisoned for many years before being raised to power and influence. Remember what he said to his brothers in Genesis 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. You intended harm, but God intended it for good. God is on the throne. God takes the awful events 
of our world. And he brings good out of them. Remember Romans 8.28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. God doesn't work all things for the good of all people. God works all things for the good of those who love him. If you love God, you can be certain that he's weaving together the tapestry of your life and he's bringing good out of it. The ultimate good, of course, is to make us like Jesus. The way to be certain of this is to love God, to commit yourself to loving him and serving him. So be encouraged. God is on the throne. He is directing the events of your life if you love him. He's working everything together for your good. And one day, Jesus will return and usher in a new perfect world in which there'll be no more suffering. So be encouraged. Secondly, be a worshipper. John is given a glimpse of the worship of heaven in the spirit as the Spirit shows him. John sees the worship of heaven, verse 3. The one who sat there on the throne had the appearance of jasper and ruby. In other words, God is so glorious that John really can't describe what he sees. He can only say that God, in his glory, had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. What does the rainbow symbolize? Well, in our culture, the rainbow stands for the NHS and for LGBT+. But that's not what the rainbow stands for in the Bible. Robbie had an RE teacher who didn't know what the rainbow stands for in the Bible. The rainbow stands for the faithfulness of God. After God flooded the earth in the time of Noah, God gave a rainbow as a symbol, a symbol of the covenant with the earth that never again would he flood the whole earth. So as John sees into heaven, he sees a great picture of the faithfulness of God. And this rainbow is not just part of a bow, as we often see. This rainbow encircles the throne. It's a complete circle, above and below the throne. God's faithfulness is unbroken. It's complete. 
worship this faithful God. And then, verse 4, surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. 24. That's interesting. I'm not very good at maths. But even I can work this one out. There are 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. And there are 12 apostles in the New Testament. So the number 24 stands for the whole people of God, Old and New Testament. Seated on these 24 thrones are 24 elders representing the complete people of God. They're dressed in white. They're purified of all sin. They have crowns of gold on their heads. They're reigning with Christ. The people of God reign with Christ. That's a wonderful truth. It means that sin and Satan have no authority over us. And so we worship this glorious God. We join with the whole company of heaven. Verse 5. From the throne come flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. The throne of God is utterly glorious and terrifying. Here is the seat of all power and authority. All human authority is devolved from this throne. And in front of the throne, what does John see? He sees the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits of God, or the sevenfold Spirit of God. You can't see the Holy Spirit. He's a spirit. But the Holy Spirit is symbolized by seven lamps blazing. Seven is the number of completion and perfection in Revelation. The Holy Spirit is the sevenfold spirit in Revelation. He's completely God and he's to be worshipped in this picture of glory. And then verse 6, in front of the throne, a sea of glass, clear as crystal. We're told elsewhere in Revelation that the new creation, that in the new creation, there's no more sea. The sea stands for chaos. The sea stands for the things that go wrong on earth. But in the throne room of heaven, there is a glassy sea, a picture of absolute calm and tranquility. There's no chaos because God is on the throne. And around the throne, four living creatures covered with eyes 
constantly seeing, constantly vigilant, reflecting the fact that God is in control. One is like a lion, verse 7. The second is like an ox. The third like a man. The fourth like an eagle. In other words, the whole created order is represented here at the throne of God. The whole creation is represented here, verse 8, with its six wings and eyes all around, constantly worshipping, verse 8, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is like the vision which Isaiah saw of the same throne room in heaven in Isaiah 6. And whereas Isaiah was terrified to stand in God's presence because of his sin, we may approach boldly the throne of God. We may join the worship of heaven. We may cry out, holy, holy, holy. As the living creatures give glory to the eternal God, the 24 elders, verse 10, the whole people of God fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. We are represented there. We're part of the whole people of God. We're represented by the elders. God is utterly glorious. He lives forever and ever. He is eternal, has no beginning, he has no end. And so we cry out, verse 11, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. Why is God worthy of all worship? For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. God is worthy of all worship. He is utterly glorious. So are you encouraged tonight? As you look at your life and see your problems, as you look at the world and see all its problems, are you despondent or are you encouraged? God is on the throne. God is working all things for good for those who love him. Are you encouraged by this? Or 
Are you terrified? God's throne is absolutely terrifying. Flashes of lightning and peals of thunder. One day, you and I will stand before this throne. And only those who've been forgiven by Jesus will be safe on that day. Only those who've appropriated the death of Jesus on the cross, only those who've been represented by Jesus in dying for all our sin, only the Christian believer will be safe to stand before the throne of Christ. If you're not yet a Christian, if you've not yet surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't asked him to forgive your sin, if you haven't asked him to save you, if you haven't made him your king, well then you should be afraid. You should be afraid of this glorious vision of the throne room of heaven. But if you are in Christ, you're included in Christ's victory. Boldly approach this throne and be very encouraged. Your problems are not the final word. God is on the throne and God is working out his purposes in the world and in your life. All is not lost. Like Joseph, you will one day look back on your suffering and see that's what it was all about. That's why it happened. Be encouraged and be a worshipper. Join with the worship of heaven. How is your prayer life? How is your experience of God in church? The famous preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, said, I can forgive a man for a bad sermon. I can forgive the preacher almost anything if he gives me a sense of God. If he gives me something for my soul, if he gives me the sense that though he is inadequate himself, he is handling something which is very great and very glorious. If he gives me some dim glimpse of the majesty and the glory of God, the love of Christ my Savior, and the magnificence of the gospel, if he does that, I am his debtor and I am profoundly grateful to him. What do we know of God? How bright is our glimpse of his majesty and glory? Can I encourage us all to seek him? 
to search after God in his word. In this series in Revelation, in prayer, in the meetings of the church, seek after God. There's no greater encouragement than to see that God is on his throne. Nothing can happen to us which is outside of the express will of God on the throne. We couldn't be more secure. And even if the worst happens, well then we go straight to be with God in heaven. And worship is a foretaste of heaven as we cry out to God on our own, maybe, in our rooms, together in church, as we cry out, holy, holy, holy. You are worthy, our Lord and God. Let's lift our gaze from our problems this evening. Let's remember that God is on the throne and he is worthy of all worship. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for our free access to your throne of grace. Thank you that we may always come and find help in our time of need. Thank you that you love us. And thank you that you rule all things from your throne. Thank you that although Joseph's brothers intended to harm him, you took that evil act and used it for good. And thank you that you work together all things for good for those who love you, who've been called according to your purpose. And so we put our trust in you afresh this evening. Thank you, Lord that our lives are not out of control. Thank you that the world is not out of control. And so, Lord, we trust in you and we worship you. You are holy. You are worthy. Bless our worship lives, Lord as we come to you day by day in prayer, as we meet with one another around your word. Lord, edify us, build us up, as we see you in your glory and worship you. And so we commit ourselves to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen.